Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon and happy Wednesday, hump day. Last day of November, November 30th, the year 2022. Hope you're having a spectacular day. It is a rather Chamber of Commerce day uh, out there. Uh, the sun is out, little cool temps. Uh, good to see that rain go away and hope everybody's having a really, really nice day. Uh, Argentina and Poland are um, squaring off in the World Cup in Qatar. Uh, speaking of that, USA, as you heard, as we mentioned yesterday, beat um, their opponent, Iran, uh, one zip to advance to the round of 16. One of their players on their back line, uh, Cameron Carter Vitters, um, the son of a teammate of mine and a member of the 1981 LSU basketball Final Four team, Howard Carter. Uh, Howard will join us um, coming up in uh in the program but anyway we got a lot in store for you and yours and it's all spearheaded by the the man that uh the stick that stirs the drink in the producer's chair james mesh he's in the game studios which are on the campus of delta media which houses klwb which is 1037 lafayette we're also on in lake charles 1041 fm for Simul, uh, we are um, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area and have a television set, pop it on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, after giving up 38 points and a 15-point loss to Texas A&M, the college football playoff committee dropped LSU not one, not two, but nine spots in the latest college football playoff rankings, all the way from number five down to number 14. Uh, one remained Georgia. Two, Michigan moved up a spot. Number Three, TCU moved up a spot. And number four became USC. Ohio State dropped from two to five, and Alabama is at number six. So um, it's kind of interesting. You know, yes, it was the third loss of the year for LSU. And that's and they dropped them nine spots with that road loss. Clemson dropped only one spot after its home loss to South Carolina. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, either way, LSU, if they win, they, you know, one team has already been set. It's already been set in stone. No matter what happens to Kansas State in Saturday's Big 12 championship game, Kansas State is headed for its first ever All-State Sugar Bowl appearance. Um, Alabama, which doesn't play on Saturday, seems to be the team headed for that. 
December 31st game in Caesar Suit Superdome for the 17th time by far the most of any school unless LSU knocks off Georgia in the Southeastern Conference title game. So we shall see about that. Um, statistically, Georgia is just they score more points per game than LSU. They give up fewer points than uh, than LSU gives up. Uh, they outrun, they outthrow, they out everything uh, LSU. This is a really, really good team, um, to say the least. National champs a year ago, undefeated again this year. Georgia's numbers are staggering. Um, For a team to play in the SEC and outscore their opponents by 27 points per game, that's, uh, that's impressive, to say the least. Oh, by the way. That dream team, LSU's 2019 15-0 national championship team, outscored opponents by exactly the same margin, 27 points. Points are at a premium. Georgia's defense gives up less than 12 points per contest, which is only one point more than the Bulldogs' national championship team last year. They give up 11.3 points per game, and that is the best in the country. And look, those are the only two statistics that matter to me. I don't care how many uh, rushing yards you give up, how many passing yards you give up, what are your third down conversions, fourth down. How many points do you score offensively, and how many points does your defense allow? Georgia only gives up 11 points a game. That that is uh, stunning in this era of of college football. It really is, and to the point, everybody talks about this quarterback, that quarterback. Well, Stetson Bennett, I don't think he gets the recognition he deserves. He certainly doesn't get what the other SEC quarterbacks get. But Georgia averages the third most passing yards in the SEC, ahead of Alabama, ahead of South Carolina, ahead of Ole Miss, and yes ahead of LSU. So uh, LSU has their hands, um, their work cut out for them, without question, without doubt. Their, Their offensive line is stacked. They've given up only seven sacks all year long, which is tied for second fewest in the country. I think LSU's given up 41. So a big difference there. Uh, The one thing Georgia doesn't do well, they don't generate a ton of turnovers. In fact, Georgia's tied for 12th in the SEC with only 13 turnovers forced this season. LSU has forced 16. You throw it all in the hopper, it doesn't really matter that much. You go out and play, and you see what's uh, what's going on. Uh, T- Mason Taylor, the freshman tight end, met with the media yesterday. He was asked about quarterback Jaden Daniels ankle how how he's looking in practice whether he is uh going to be active and and uh Mason Taylor answered yes that he was great and and ready to go ready to go um for us in the Acadiana area everybody's kind of wondering about the future for freshman quarterback Walker Howard from St. Thomas More um he was asked uh, Mason Taylor was asked about Walker Howard, and he said, quote, he's definitely developed a lot. He's gotten smarter being coached by Joe Sloan. The kid has an arm. He's learned a lot. So there you go. Not bad. Argentina has just scored. So they lead Poland one zip. 
one zip um, with a, a round of 16 spots on the line. I, I never thought I'd see this. Um, my daughter went on a recruiting trip to Southeastern the other day, and we watched them play, and I said, okay, not bad, but LSU's going to beat them by 50. The women's team, the women's team. Well, 11th-ranked LSU uh, had to fight and scrap for everything they could to beat Southeastern 63-55. to 55. Um Wow. Tigers led by 21 in the third quarter, but Southeastern kept kept coming back, coming back. They pulled it within four, 56 to 52, before LSU went on a late seven-zip run to secure the win and remain undefeated. Um, up next, uh, LSU travels to face Tulane. On Sunday, Tigers are 8-0, the Green Wave 4-2. and So there you have all of that. Um, Elsewhere, uh, on the program today, the Pels play tonight. And um, it's kind of interesting to see what a difference a year makes uh, with a program. Last year, the Pelicans, of course, started off slowly. And they, they finished the month of November with a 6-17 and 17 record. Six wins, 17 losses. Pels play tonight. If they win, they'll finish the month uh, the, the, through the month of November with a 13-8 and eight record. Quite a difference. Quite a difference. Um, so we'll talk with uh, Ali Cassell about this, and we'll, we'll talk about um, Zion Williamson playing in his 100th NBA game and the numbers are uh, very comparable to um, Michael Jordan's numbers. The, the only problem is it's taken a while for Zion to get to uh, 100 games. Adam Spencer will join us after that, um, and we will talk about the SEC and um, some of the good things that have been happening uh, basketball-wise. I mean, you had Alabama upsetting number one ranked North Carolina. You had Tennessee upsetting number three ranked Kansas. Um, there's three undefeated teams in the league. Um, there's about eight teams that are projected, albeit very early, eight teams projected to make the uh, NCAA tournament from the conference. And we'll get his thoughts on LSU and Georgia as well. Uh, we will talk with Howard Carter to start off our number two, talk about a little bit of soccer, how his uh, son got acclimated into that um and he's become great a great player young but talented we'll talk about that and michael huganen will join us as well as we'll go through the entirety of things in college football including picks of each and every conference championship game that's all coming your way today now if you need to grab some christmas gifts look no further than acadianadeals.com right now you can score a discounted rate for vouchers to buy you pop gourmet popcorn who has more than 40 flavors in gourmet popcorn mudcat whiskers where you can get handcrafted beard grooming products and emmy's ice cream bar which offers up supreme ice cream you can get an additional 50 percent off this week only just use the discount code delta 50 that's delta five zero 
or 5-0 to score an additional discount at AcadianaDeals.com. Don't delay. This offer ends Friday at midnight. So go visit AcadianaDeals.com right now. All right, we'll take our first time out of the day where we're talking um, Zion, the Pels, NBA talk. Boy, what a game last night. Luka with 41. Uh, Steph Curry with about 31. The Warriors had a wide open Clay Thompson three to send it to overtime. He missed it, and the Dallas Mavericks get a win. We'll talk NBA talk and all uh, when we return. Uh, one zip, Argentina, Poland. This is the Jordy Heltberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back, and um, we begin today's show. And I thought it'd be fun to to talk a little NBA hoops as the um, Pelicans will close out the month of November tonight, taking on the Toronto Raptors. 7 o'clock tip inside the Smoothie King Center. A year ago, the Pels ended the month of November with a record of 6-17. and 6-17. and 17. It was just a miserable start to a campaign. Um, quite a difference a year makes. And Ali Cassell from At The Bird writes will join joins us now as um the pels have a chance to to get their uh, their their mark yet again with another win they have they have really taken care of business at home of late uh the pels trying to get to win number 13 against only eight losses they're seven and three at home five and five away from uh the blender uh ali cassell good afternoon my friend how are you hey jordy i'm doing pretty good looking forward to tonight's game yeah, um, what a difference a year makes, right? I, we all thought <laughs> it was critical that this team get out to a good start. And as of present, they're in the third spot in the Western Conference, albeit very early. But compared to a year ago, I mean, it's very significant. Yeah, there's like really no comparison, is there? <laughs> I mean, last yeah. year they were sitting either in the cellar or close to it in the entire league with the worst record, right? I mean, they had just one win in the first 12, 13 games. You know, everybody knows the story, 3-16 and 16 after that, but turn the season around this year. You're right, they got off to a good start, hit a little bit of a speed bump there in uh, yeah. towards, you know, maybe the third week of the season or so, lost some key guys. But, yeah, ever since they've come home and uh, put away that eight of the first 11 on the road, they've been spectacular, right? They've been taking care of their business. You're supposed to be winning those games at home if you're a good team, and, you know, they've won six of their last eight. You already mentioned right. what they are at home. So the arrow's pointing up. They are – Honestly, one of the better teams in the West that we, you know, we always thought they would be uh, coming in the season, but they're proving it now, right? I mean, third in the Western yeah. Conference, that's not that's no joke. No, it is no joke and it would be it would be so nice if they could have their lineup, the entirety of their lineup on the floor for gee whiz, just maybe a couple of weeks. I'm not asking for the rest of the whole season, but how about how about we get 10 games to, in a row with Ingram, McCullum, and Zion on the floor together. That would be nice. I'm with you. And I think it's very important that that happens, and especially towards the end of the season. 
you want them to be playing their best ball um, and also everybody being healthy over, say, the last six weeks of the regular season so you can ramp up, right, get ready for the playoffs because this team's got that mentality. They want to do more than just get into the playoffs this year. They want, they want to make a significant run. So to do that, you've got to have your best guys and on the same page. And you're right, when everybody's missing a game here and there, you can't do that. I mean, remember, Zion didn't play at all last season. We've seen how hard it's been kind of for him just to get going, especially defensively. But he's rounding in the form. But, again, there's no chemistry being established because somebody's always missing. So I'm really hoping that that changes uh, because I think it's going to be the biggest factor in just how far this team can go in the playoffs. Uh, I'm with you 100%, but thank goodness. Thank goodness for uh, the depth and the quality of depth. Mm -hmm. For instance, against the Oklahoma City Thunder, no Ingram, no McCullum. Um, And, uh, you know, you, you don't miss a beat. You win a game. And that's all that matters. You win a game. And you can get away with that in the regular season, I believe. Exactly. But you're right. When the playoffs come, man, you gotta have all your everything in the in the right direction and all your your best players out on the court. But it says a lot about the depth of this club. And it's something that they've honestly never had here, going all the way yeah. back as far as I can remember to when the team really first got here. You know, we saw the um Byron Scott days. Um and then, of course, Monty Williams. And, and it just seemed like there, there just wasn't that kind of depth. Even though we were trying to talk ourselves into it almost seemingly every year, it never proved to be like a top three, top five bench in, this, in, in the league. And this year, you can actually say they are. Uh, I mean, everybody doesn't need to be reminded of, but look, we'll talk about it. Jose Alvarado is probably the best point guard in the league, uh, backup point guard in the league. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Larry Nance. I think he's the best backup center, maybe the best small ball center right now with the way he's been playing, right? Doesn't miss a field goal, makes all the right defensive plays. And then you've got others, right? Trey Murphy, what a heck of a shooter, but he's more than that. We see the dunks. We see the rebounding. We see even defensive plays from him. Najee Marshall's given so much more this season. Dyson Daniels, how valuable has he become, right? And even Devontae Graham, he's shooting over 40% from three, so... This bench, you're right. The reason the Pelicans are 12-8 and eight isn't because of this amazing starting lineup. It's really this bench has carried them to a lot of wins so far. We're talking with Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights. Um, that win over Oklahoma City with those players missing and with that bench coming in and stepping up marked the 100th game of Zion Williamson's career. It's hard to believe he was picked number one in 2019. He's had uh, three different head coaches. He's undergone two surgeries. He's lived through one pandemic. When he got there, the starting backcourt for the Pels was uh, Lonzo Ball and Drew holiday uh jj reddick was the team six man he's since retired nico mel nicolo melli uh was the big man the pelican signed to be the floor spacer next to williamson he returned to europe more than a year ago i mean how how much things have changed and yet for the first time in zion's career there's some continuity to that locker room and i think that means a heck of a lot to him it does. He even brought it up um, after that game, talking about how it was nice to come start a season, even though he didn't play last year, to have the same coach, to have the same guys in the locker room. Because he, he was there for, what, the last three months or so with the guys to finish or yeah, to finish off the regular season and into the playoffs. He was there every minute. So he, 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 of course, bonded with these guys, spending time together, even though he hasn't really spent time on the court with most of them beforehand. Um, but that's important. It really is important for a young guy. 
And I think that also speaks to David Griffin. He kept on trying combinations until something worked, and once it did, boy, he was smart not to mess with it because it looks like that's the smartest decision yet that he's made, right? Finally put together a lineup that could win around the stars, and he didn't touch it. After the success they had last year, some people thought maybe let's get a point guard or, or go another route with, at center, right? And so Jonas Valanciunas getting a more defensive-minded guy. But he didn't, and so far I think it's been a very smart move. Think about who the Pels closed out that win over Oklahoma City with. They had Zion on the floor, mm-hmm. and they had Jose Alvarado, Trey Murphy, two guys in their second seasons, Herb Jones in his second season, and Dyson Daniels in his first. That's a young club, and that's that 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 tells me a coach in a game that you know you want to win, obviously, because it's it's at home. Um, has a lot of faith and trust in them. And it just bodes so well, man. These guys' confidence has got to be going up and up and up. Yeah, it's crazy that Jose Alvarado was the oldest player closing out that starting or that closing wow. five you just mentioned because he's just in the second year. But I love it because usually young guys, what do we know about them? They don't win. But yet Willie Green had the confidence in going with those guys instead of saying having Valentinus back out there, maybe somebody else he could have turned to like a temple. But he didn't. He went with the young guys, and guess what? They're fantastic. They're, yeah. This is going to be such valuable minutes that they're earning right now. That's going to bode so well, I think, for down the road, especially these upcoming playoffs. So when, when they're faced with you know any kind of adversity, they're going to be able to point to what we did previously, like, like you just mentioned, be, beating the Oklahoma State Thunder, which I know they're, they're not one of the elite teams in the Western Conference. But, hey, they've got an MVP caliber type of player, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. They've got a yeah. heck of a lot of athletes, and they're just a fun team, right? So if you make any mistakes, they'll take advantage of it. So I thought the Pelicans yeah. played really well in that game to beat them, um, especially defensively. But enough key guys offensively stepped on. It wasn't just Zion, right? Trey Murphy he right. had a nice big game. So, yeah, I mean, e- e- easy answer here, uh, Jordy, is the fact that this young team, it's a good team, right? So you can look at all the mm-hmm. age, you can look at who's closing out, but it doesn't matter. They're an elite team that's going to be together for a long time. Yeah, it doesn't look like they have any prima donnas out there. It looks like they enjoy playing with one another, and that's so significant. Tonight they host the Raptors. The Raptors are 11-9. and nine. They're, they're always a good club. 3-7 uh, and seven away from the Canadian border, 8-2 uh, and two at home. What, uh, tell me about the Raptors. What do you, what do you know about them? Ooh, they're scary because they play small. Like They play that modern uh, style of NBA basketball to a tee. Pascal Siakam, he's a, he's a power forward. He's their starting yeah. center, right? So they're yeah. basically going with the starting lineup of guys between what six foot three and six foot nine ish or so. And uh, I think they're really darn good. I mean, I know that they're eleven and nine, but they've had a lot of players miss time, including Siakam. Um, I know uh, Van Fleet's missed some time, and there's been several others. But boy, when they're all together, which they are going to be against the Pelicans, it's going to be a handful because look, they play fast. They play smart. I think they're one of the top two teams in uh, not turning the ball over, but they take advantage of a team's mistakes, right? They, they deflect more balls than even the Pelicans do, so they love to get out and transition. They're the top team in scoring points off turnovers, top team in fast break points, and you would think a small team wouldn't be good on the glass. Guess what? They're very good, and they score the most second-chance points, too, so they're going to be a handful. They, they play basically the way the Pelicans, I think, try to. Um, but they 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 largely execute a little bit better, so it's going to be a great matchup, I think. Um, 
Ogji Ananobi uh, leads them with 19 points a game. Uh, Siakam has only played in 10. He's averaged 24. He's only played in 10 games, though. I know Fred Van mm-hmm. Fleet is always just a pure, pure shooter. Scotty Barnes was uh, uh, the pick of the draft a year ago. He's the rookie of the year. Uh, he's putting up 14 points a game. So they have balance, right? That, and that's that's a that's a team that scares you. When 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 you have one guy that that's scoring 30 and everybody else is doing basically nothing. Um, I can deal with that, but it's those teams that have five or six that average in mid to upper double figures. That's the tough teams to play, and that's what Toronto's all about. Yeah, Nick Nurse is a heck of a coach. I mean, we, yeah. we know that he won the championship when Kawhi Leonard was up there in his low season, but look, he's been fantastic no matter who's he's had on his rosters, and they always overachieve seemingly. And I know they're 11-9, and nine, but I'll tell you what, Jordy, I wouldn't be surprised if they finished third or fourth you know, I, I know Boston's clearly the favorite to me uh-huh. coming out of the East. Milwaukee's pretty much on their own tier, too. But after that, it's a toss-up. So why not Toronto? Say they stay healthy. Say they start making some more shots. They've been really bad in uh, half-court offense so far. So I'm hoping that's where the Pels can actually take advantage. Maybe slow down, pound the ball in the Jonas a little yeah. bit. Because right now, they're not clicking yet. So they, they live in transition. But... Once that comes together for them, they're going to be one, I think, like I said, one of the top teams in the East. So that's why I love this matchup tonight. They play kind of, like I said, the style that the Pelicans play. You don't have a guy that's going to want to and needs to shoot the ball 25 times, no James Hardens or anything like that. And they're happy for each other's success, but they play on both ends. So I love it. I can't wait for this one. The Pels win tonight. They'll be 13-8 and to close out the month of November as compared to a year ago when they were 6-17. and What a difference a year makes. Let's hope the, the Pels can get to 13 tonight. Uh, we shall see. Um, Ali Cassell from At The Bird Rights. Always fun, buddy. Uh, by the way, Argentina scored again 2-zip over uh, Poland in the World Cup play. Thank you, my friend. Have a good one. Absolutely, Jordy. Take care. You got it. That's Ali Cassell. The game wants to stuff your stocking with a $500 Visa gift card. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes presented by Armentor Jewelers. Simply enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $500 Visa gift card. It's that easy. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes powered by Armentor Jewelers and the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Adam Spencer on SEC Hoops and his thoughts on the SEC football championship game when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We welcome you back 35 minutes after the hour on this Wednesday, November 30th, last day of the 11th month. We shift gears to December tomorrow, and that means we've got an SEC football championship game to talk about between LSU and Georgia, and so much more around the conference where it just means more. Adam Spencer from Saturday South, kind enough to join us. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving, Adam, and thank you for your time, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. Had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you did as well. 
I did. I, I mean, it was great to see Alabama's basketball team upset number one North Carolina in four overtimes. Uh, Tennessee took down Kansas. Looks like the SEC uh, basketball wise is had a good week during Thanksgiving week. Yeah, it could have been a little bit better if uh, your guys down there got the benefit oh, of got... the doubt on that uh, timing error. But uh, you know, oh, maybe that's, that's a I've never... little bit too soon. I've never I've never seen a game uh, change like that before ever. Yeah, that was really weird, and uh, you know, just it, like I've never seen that in like the way that they just didn't replay it because the player would have shot the ball sooner if he would have known that there wasn't 1.7 seconds left. So I, I just I just don't get how you just let a game end like that, and uh, it was a disservice to everybody on that court, not just LSU. Who's the best basketball team in the conference today? I've got Alabama. Uh, you know, when you go out to Oregon, you know, far away from home, and you play right. three ranked teams and come away with two wins, and you take down the number one team. I mean, that's that's a heck of a weekend. And uh, you know, they got they've got Javon Quinterly back, playing more minutes and making more of an impact every game. Brandon Miller, I'll tell you what, you know, they have, there's a ton of great freshmen in uh, the SEC this year. And uh, the way he's playing right now, he might be the best of the bunch. Um, you know, he's, he's earning himself a lot of NBA money with uh, every great performance that he has. So then they have Mark Sears, who's done a great job, the Ohio transfer. So, and uh, Charles Bediaco, he's been a beast on the boards. And, uh, you know, he's, he's scoring a little bit more than he has in years past, too. So that's a really dangerous team that Nate Oates has there in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, they're a fun team to watch. I like I like Nate Oates' style of play. Um, tell me about the Kentucky Wildcats this year. It's, it's still tough to really see what we're getting with them. You know, they, yeah, they beat up on all these nobodies, but they've lost yeah. their two real games of the year. You know, they lost to uh, to Michigan State, and then they uh, they lost to Gonzaga, and you know th- those aren't bad losses necessarily. And you know they played Michigan State into overtime, um, but they just need more real competition. And uh, you know, thankfully they'll be getting it soon because I think they're heading to London here soon to take on Michigan. And you know, Michigan's not ranked or anything, but that's a game that Kentucky needs to win. And if they lose that game, then there's going to be some, like that's a sign of real trouble there in Lexington. I gotcha. All right. So it's still very early uh, in the college basketball season. Um, It's still very early for LSU, although uh, Joe Lenardi's got got them in the last four teams in. He's got eight teams from the SEC currently in uh, the field of 68. So we'll see how things uh, progress along during the course uh, of the season. Now to Atlanta this Saturday. Um, Golly, LSU's going to show up. They're going to be ready to play. I just don't know if they're being ready to play is going to be enough uh, against this Bulldog team. Break this game down to me. What do you think? I mean, the biggest key, I think that Jaden Daniels is going to play. I mean, I know he's banged up, but I I don't see a scenario where he misses this game. No way. But it's going to be... It's going to be how effective is he? Is he the dynamic runner that we've seen? Because he's not, a, he's not, he's a good passer. He's a very good passer, but he's not mm-hmm. good enough to beat 
Georgia being one dimensional. Uh, and if he was 100% with his legs, but, uh, you know, he had an arm issue or something that was affecting his passing, he can't beat Georgia with his legs. It's the whole. It's the whole package Gotta that you need both. when you're yeah. Jaden Daniels to uh, to to take down an elite team like Georgia. And if he's if he's coming into that game even at 75, percent that's going to be a really tough task for LSU to win that. So I'll be watching every update that Brian Kelly provides of uh, Jaden Daniels this week to see uh, to see what to expect for Saturday because he's he's the he's the driving force for that entire team this year. She's got everything to gain, nothing to lose. They're not going to be in the college football playoff. They could really, um, you know, Georgia, if they lose, they're still going to be in the in the final four. Uh, so is there any kind of motivational advantage for either team here? Yeah, I mean, I think that you're right. I think that this is a we might as well try everything game for LSU. You know, there's yeah. no sense holding back. So I would expect to see, you know, some aggressive play you know, maybe a fake punt, maybe a trick play with the offense or two, you know, there's, there's going to be opportunities for them to really try stuff to get Georgia off guard, especially early in the game, you know, maybe a couple of uh, double moves and deep passes and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I think that there is plenty of motivation on, uh, on the Georgia side because these guys don't have that SEC title. They have a national championship. They just, some of these yeah. guys that are key contributors to this year's team haven't won an SEC championship yet. So, you know, I think that they'll be, uh, I think that they'll be eager to perhaps add that ring to their trophy collection as, as well. So I think that there will be maybe more motivation than some people think from, uh, from the Bulldogs this weekend. That makes sense. Um, boy, there's nothing about joy. Look, their defense is, is almost as good as a year ago. What last year they gave up ten points a game. This year they're only giving up eleven points a game. My goodness gracious, the job Kirby has done uh, stockpiling talent on that side of the ball is just—it's kind of mind-boggling. We think about all the players that they lost, and they haven't skipped a beat. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that that's going to be a, a, another source of motivation for Georgia. You know, last year that elite defense. Well, they still got torched by Alabama in that SEC title game. Now, of course, they came back and won when it truly mattered in the national championship game and uh, had their way with Alabama. But, uh, but you know, going undefeated this year, perfect 15-0, and 0, then you can actually have that conversation about which team was better, the 2021 Bulldogs or the 2022 Bulldogs. Right. And that would be an interesting debate. Um just because of think? how elite the defense was. But overall, maybe the team's better this year. I, I don't know. That's a debate. They have to finish off the perfect season first. And, of course, people will point out that this year's Georgia team has not had to beat Alabama. But uh, there's plenty of uh, plenty of uh, trophies on uh, Georgia's wall with uh, teams that they beat. So that, that's, that's an interesting situation that happened if it finishes off the undefeated season. I do believe that um, simply for the fact that Stetson Bennett the fourth for the first time in his life hadn't had to look over his shoulder. Uh, that's a confident quarterback who makes all the right reads and right decisions. And he, I don't think he gets nearly the credit that he deserves um, as a quarterback, as a passing quarterback. I mean, they're right there at the top of the league. Um, I, I just think maybe their offense is a little bit, even though they don't have the greatest wide receivers, but just because of his ability, they might be might be a little bit better than a year ago. Yeah, I 
100% agree with that. I think that you're spot on there with Stetson and, uh, and just, you know, being the guy for the first time in his college career has to, you know, it's had him playing loose. It's interesting, you know, you see a lot. It's tough to properly rate him, it seems, this year because, you know, some people have him in the Heisman conversation, and I think that that's too high because his numbers just simply aren't there. Um, but, you know, he's also one of the top-tier SEC quarterbacks. It's not like he's some middle-of-the-road quarterback. He's a great quarterback. Is he the best quarterback in the country? No, I don't think so. But, uh, yeah. you know, he's he's great for this team. And, uh, you know, the chemistry that he was able to carry over this year with Ladd McConkey, with Brock Bowers, uh, you know, it, it's really – it's really helped this this team find success, even as the the Bulldogs continue to deal with injuries in their secondary or in their yeah. receiving core. I mean, yeah, that's Adam Spencer, Saturday down south. This comes down: Can LSU's offensive line hold their own against Georgia's defensive line for LSU to have any chance to win? The offensive line can't let Georgia's defensive line dictate the game. Easier said than done. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, and it comes down to, it's not only that one too, but uh, you watch Mizzou's blueprint to, uh, you know, Mizzou almost pulled off the upset of number one Georgia. And uh, that that was kind of the coming out game for the Mizzou defensive line that has a ton of talent on it this year. Well, LSU also has, you know, a guy named Jacqueline Roy on that defensive line. They also have BJ Ojolari. They have, they have some, they have some horses up front there, um, even without Mason Smith. Um, yeah, so they've they've got some dudes up front there too. So I wonder if uh, you know if, if I'm Brian Kelly, if I'm uh, if I'm Matt House this week, I'm watching that Mizzou game a lot and no seeing doubt. what the Tigers did and seeing if uh, it can be replicated by a different set of Tigers. And, and I think the other thing is that Harold Perkins kid's going to have to have a game like he had against uh, uh, Arkansas, where he is just a disruptive force. And they they line them up here, they line them up there, they line them up everywhere, and they just say, go get the quarterback and use your speed and do what you got to go do. He's going to have to – every LSU player is going to have to play their best game. But look, when you, if you can beat Alabama – Okay, it, you can beat anybody. I think you really can. So I give LSU a puncher's chance here. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think uh, you know maybe you want to look into seeing if uh, Harold Perkins can pick up the flu again because I mean, my goodness, it seems yeah. to unlock the superhero potential and him being sick for that game. So, uh, but yeah, if he can, if he can be, if he can be at that level again, and the other guy, you know. Jacqueline Roy had a had a pretty solid effort. Um, you yeah. know, he's he's closed the year really strong and is making himself a lot of NFL money. So if he can put, you know, a finishing touch on this season too, and uh, you know, go toe to toe with Jalen Carter, then uh, then that's that's huge for that defense, and that'll make life tough for this Georgia offense that has been inconsistent at times, even with the improvement under Stetson Bennett. I'm with you, Adam Spencer. Saturday down south. When so, when all co- push comes to shove, um, George's favorite seventeen, seventeen and a half. Um, what do you think? Does who you got winning? But and does LSU cover that spread? I'm I'm worried about Jaden Daniels' ability to run. Um, so I, I do have Georgia winning this game um and but you know there's absolutely uh if that defense comes to play then uh then this will be a one possession game in the fourth quarter and uh if you get to that point then all 
bets are off, and anything yeah. anything can happen when the when the game's on the line and the, the best come out to play. Because star for star, LSU can go toe to toe with uh, with Georgia, and you know they have they have just as much NFL talent on that roster as Georgia no does. Doubt. So, you know, I'll be excited to see if those first three quarters, if LSU can keep it close, then uh, then watch out. Uh, I've, I've got to get your opinion on the Hugh Freeze hire at Auburn. I, I think it's it's a good one on the field for the Tigers. I think that their offense has uh, you know been behind, lagging in uh, in in many regards uh, as the sport has gone towards spread offense, putting a lot of points on the board. You know, even Alabama has uh, really shifted the way that it plays. But you know, here you go. You have Al- or you have Auburn still running like. Uh, Gus Malzahn type offense with uh, you know that worked during the Nick Marshall era, but this is no longer the Nick Marshall era. So Hugh Freeze is going to bring him out of that in a hurry. You know I don't know if he goes and gets a quarterback in the transfer portal or uh, or if he you know works with Calzada Ashford and what he's got there. But uh, it's going to be exciting to see, and I think that he's going to draw a lot of offensive talent to to the plane. So that, you know if they can keep some guys uh, recruiting at a high level defensively, then uh, Auburn should be just uh, in a hurry under Hugh. All right. Well, we shall see. I just got uh, just got a notice here. You'll you'll be um, you'll like this one. Um, FM Digital Media is proud to announce the new addition to the family. The Will Wade podcast will launch Monday, December the fifth. Huh. Will Wade podcast. We shall see. Okay. There you go. Uh, there you go. Everybody's got a podcast. Anybody can get a podcast. <laughs> My daughter can get a bo- podcast. Good for them. There you go. Um, <laughs> all right, Adam. Thank you, man. We'll uh, we'll keep this up. We'll talk some hoops um, after this weekend, and we'll see where all these SEC teams are going bowling. Uh, and um, the beat goes on. But thank you for your time, as always. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jordy. We'll, uh, we'll talk okay. soon. You got it, my friend. Thank you. Adam Spencer from Saturday Down South. Uh, Tune in tonight, 6 to 7, for the McNeese Coaches Show, presented by Maplewood Burgers, line a bed out of Westlake and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. My buddy Jim Gazzolo will be talking all things Cowboys as head football coach Gary Goff joins the show. So tune in tonight, starting at 6, for the McNeese Coaches Show right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We will be back to wrap up our number one, set the stage for our number two on this Wednesday, November 30th here on the Jordy Heltberg Show. Jordy Holtberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's uh, 2-Zip Argentina. They're in uh, 
uh, stoppage time. Uh, it's going to be over. Argentina is going to advance to the round of 16 um, with the win today. Of course, the United States will play Saturday morning against the Netherlands. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals, former LSU Tiger Jamar Chase revealed he didn't play last weekend against the Titans for precautionary reasons. It's the first public comment since suffering a hip injury. Um, he held himself out. He said he wanted to give himself another week of preparation for the next game uh, if he had a chance to. He says he feels great, has no pain. The Bengals start practicing for their upcoming showdown against the Kansas City Chiefs in a rematch of last season's AFC Championship game. So Joe Burrow is going to have his top weapon back in the lineup. Um, and that is certainly, certainly Good. I love seeing Jamar Chase play. So we wish him well, wish him health. Uh, that is the most important thing. All right, coming up, our number two of the program. One of the new stars on the U.S. men's national uh, soccer team, Cameron Carter-Vickers. Connection to Baton Rouge and LSU. His father was a star basketball player on the 1981 LSU Final Four team. Uh, we'll talk with Howard High C. Carter about his son and his love for the game of soccer. And Michael Huguenin will join us as we talk all things championship weekend. Yes, it's all coming your way. Our number two, the Jordy Helper Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Our number two next. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, and away we go on this Wednesday, November the 30th, the year 2022. We've got lots of uh, football talk in this hour, including, well, you see all the commercials. Um, is it football? Is it soccer? Well, no matter what it is, the World Cup is underway, and the USA with their win yesterday over Iran. Uh, one zip advanced to the round of 16. Well, they'll take on the Netherlands Saturday morning, 9 o'clock our time, or 8 o'clock our time, excuse Excuse me. Um, and I, I thought it'd be fun to catch up with, with a, a near and dear friend of mine uh, who, who was a great college basketball player at LSU, a member of LSU's 1981 Final Four team. He was terrific, played in the NBA, um, and uh, is now out in the working world and doing a terrific job. Uh, his son um, is playing on the biggest stage in arguably the biggest sporting event in the world, and he is a tremendous co contributor uh, to Team USA's success. Um, his son's name is Cameron Carter Vickers, and the dad's name is Howard High C. Carter. And Howard, kind enough to join us today. Howard, man, I saw you just recently, man. You look great. How you feeling, buddy? How are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh Pretty excited about uh, the way the U.S. played yesterday and uh, looking forward to this big test 
against the Netherlands Saturday. Yeah. That's, that's not going to be easy. They're one of the no. top teams in the world. You text message me and said, man, my my son's got a man up now, and uh, he's in the starting lineup. He's back there by the by the goaltender. Uh, and oh, He played great. How proud are you? I am. It's always good to see your children do well. And uh, he, uh, he didn't play the first two games, so I was wondering was he going to get his get his chance and they called and told me he was starting so I had to take off from work and get home and make sure I watch it you know uh, I'm really we're really proud of him all the way around we're proud of him he looks like you, man. He's got that same. You're, you're taller. Uh, he's 6'1. You're 6'4, uh, at least. And uh, But he yeah. looks just like you. My goodness gracious. Take me back because you were a great basketball player. How, how in the world did you get one of your kids interested in the sport of soccer? How did that all come about? Well, he was raised in Europe. He was raised in England. And uh, he would come here for the summers. And he played basketball. And he also ran track, but uh-huh. soccer soccer brought the most attention and recognition to him. He, they, you know, they get real excited about soccer in Europe. So mm-hmm. he chose soccer. And uh, if he would have if he would have been raised over here, he might have chose American football because he looks like a strong safety or something. Yes, he does. <laughs> yeah, he his my. I have a brother in law that coach high school football. And we uh we went to see him play in the under sixteens in uh Florida one year. That actually that's when the US discovered him. They had a US under sixteen national team over there and uh-huh. uh when they found out that his dad was American they that's when they first made a pitch at him to to see if he wanted to be a member of the US national team. And uh wow. that that's where it started. But my my uh, my brother-in-law, who coached high school football, was like, "Man, if I can just get him over and bring him, if you can get him over here in the United States and get him on the football field, <laughs> yeah, a talented I think that's young man." That's what um, people used to say about me too. Even though I played basketball, a lot of people wondered what kind of American football player I'd be. But he chose yeah. basketball, uh, soccer because that's what that's what brought the most attention and people got excited about over in Europe. Yeah. And, uh, oh, they take it they take it serious over there. Far more serious than than um the normal group of uh fandom does in this part of the world. We got, you know, we got American football, we got basketball, all those baseball. Uh, but over there, man, soccer rules, doesn't it? It does. It does. Man. And uh, um they they love it. So he, you know, he started at a young age, and they they discovered him. Um, just how much how much training has he been been involved in to get to this point in time in his life? I mean, my gosh, he's got to be in the greatest shape uh, of the world uh, to, to play that he sport. Started, yeah, he he started when he was nine. The, the Tottenham Academy. Tottenham is a big team in England. They yeah. He came up through the Tottenham Academy. And uh, at nine, at nine years old, they discovered wow. him, and, and uh, he he went to the academy, and he came all the way up to. Oh, uh, he was he was a property of uh, Tottenham until 
uh, last year because he came up through the Tottenham program, but mm-hmm. he could never break their lineup. You know, Tottenham is one of the top ten in the teams world. in the world, yeah. and yeah. he could never get uh, break their their A team lineup. So they start loaning him out to different other teams, and he play he's played on I don't know five different teams, and then. Finally, he got on with the Celtics in Scotland. That's okay. that's uh, in Scotland. You have two top teams: the Celtics and the Rangers. He got on with uh, the Celtics in Scotland. They Tottenham loaned them. That was the last team Tottenham loaned them to. And once they loaned them to uh, the Celtics, the Celtics wanted to buy him. You know, right out wanted to buy him from Tottenham right out. So that's what happened. So now he good. has a four-year deal with the Celtics. That's his club team. And uh, the U.S., He, even though he played in the under-16 U.S., the under-20, he play, he actually played in the under-20 World Cup okay. with the U.S. And huh. uh, not long after that, he kind of fell out of the mix, and the U.S. didn't call him for about three years. And last summer, he had a good camp. They called him. They finally called Greg Berhalter. Finally called him. And, well, they they had another previous coach before Berhalter, right? But, right. Uh, Berhalter finally called him uh, back last year and last summer. They had a, a camp, and he did well. And so he set himself up to to uh, get called. That's uh, awesome. This time, That's awesome. and it was great timing because you know the yeah. World Cup is every four years. Yeah, so, I mean that's awesome. Uh, he it was just great timing, and and uh, well, I know I know you're proud. He's going to turn 26. He's going to turn 26 this uh, New Year's Eve, so he's still a very 25. very young player. 25. 25, excuse me. He's going to turn 25 uh, this New Year's Eve. So sorry about that one there, Howard. I don't want to make you too older than you are. Yeah. Uh, none of us want to yeah. get to that point. But um, uh, have you had a chance to talk to him since their win yesterday? Yeah, I did. He, he's really happy. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's real excited. Yeah, That's I awesome. I talked to him a few times yesterday. Yeah, he wanted um, to know where where I watched the game and did all the family watch and, and things like that. Yeah, he, well, he handled himself very, very well. But he plays a lot better defense than you ever played, young fella. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what he do. Defense. He's the last. The the defenders are the last. The last wall before it gets to the goaltender. So that's an important job. Absolutely. Uh, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I'm so thrilled for you. Um, and I swear, I look at him going, man, that's a young Howard Carter. Um, what a great player you were. And uh, it's got to be fun seeing your son on the highest, on the biggest stage in the biggest sporting event in the world. Can we beat the Netherlands? Come on, man. Come on. Can we do it? Yeah, we can. I'm going to think, yeah, yeah, we can. I'm going to think positive. Yes, we can. Yep. I love it. It's, it's possible. It's sooner or later we're gonna have to break through as one of the top teams in the world. So uh, why not now? We got a young nucleus of, of players, so yeah. why not now? 
Why not well, now? If not it. now, then uh, look for Cameron Carter Vickers in 2026, wherever that World Cup is going to be, because it looks like he's setting himself up pretty well uh, in the system. I couldn't be happier for you and your family. Man, that's awesome, buddy. Uh, thank you for spending a little bit of time with us and tell him, um, hey, don't be afraid to knock him down now. If you got to knock him down, knock him yeah. down. Let's go. Yeah, that's it. That's what he does. You know, usually you want your defenders tall, like 6'2 and above. But since he's only 6'1, he used uh, his physical. He, he, he plays real physical, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess, to make up for the height. But, uh, I saw him, that's what I saw he him does. boxing out. He, he scared me there at the end. I, I was hoping he didn't get a penalty because that could have changed. Yeah. Oh, that could have been crucial. That was uh, that was a scary end. The, the last few minutes of that match, I'm telling you, that was um, that was nerve wracking to say the least. But um, shouldn't have taken that goal away either. My gosh, that was. I mean, come on, offsides, really? Anyway, really? Um, a great yeah. match. I'm really hooked on this stuff. I love watching it now. I really do. You know, our coach Dale Brown called me last night and said. He never watched soccer in his life, and he sat up and watched the whole soccer game yesterday. <laughs> I did the same thing, man. It was terrific. Yeah. It was terrific. Howard Carter, uh, you're the best. Good luck. Uh, I know. Come eight o'clock uh, Saturday morning, you'll be you'll be all nestled in and uh, and watching your son do his thing, man. Good luck and uh, continued success. And thank you for spending a little bit of time with him, man. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Jordy. Thanks for having me. Okay, buddy, you take care. Howard Carter and his son Cameron Carter Vickers next up the Netherlands Saturday for Team USA in the World Cup. We'll take a quick time out here, and we'll come back with much, much more. It's Hump Day with Huguenin here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Michael Huguenin, regular season is done. And now it's championship week and college football is down the stretch run. Good afternoon, my friend. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Um, man, my biggest takeaway from the weekend that was, was, man, Michigan's a really good football team. It's going to take somebody special, I think, to beat them. Yeah, I think the one thing that <clears throat> stuck with me, Blake Corum did not really. He played two, He had two carries and really didn't play. And they did not miss him. <clears throat> that is a really good defensive squad. Um, you know, Michigan lost both its coordinators. Offensive coordinator went to Miami. The defensive coordinator went to the NFL. Um, Harbaugh promoted from within on the offensive side and went to the NFL to get his new D.C. And I think this year's defense might even be better than last year's defense, even though they don't have an elite pass rusher. Um, offensively, they, they make no bones about who they are. We are a physical team. We're going to run the ball right at you, and let's see if you can stop us. And yeah. some teams have been able to stop them for a while. 
Um, Ohio State actually did a pretty good job in the first half, and then Michigan just wore them down. And defensively, that is a really good secondary. They're extremely well coached. And even though they don't have an elite pass rusher, um, they get after you anyway. And I think the physicality is something that these guys are they're fast and they're physical. Um, I think they're clearly and distinctly two high-level teams, Georgia and, and Michigan. Uh, yeah. And my presumption is that those two teams are going to meet for the title. I, I, it's gonna, it's gonna have to really something's fluky is gonna have to happen. I think for that not to, not happen. to happen. So the playoff yeah. poll came out: Georgia one, Michigan two, um, uh, TCU three, USC four. Any problem with that at all? No, I, I think USC's offense is a good one, and Caleb Williams is going to win the Heisman, and he's a high-level player. But this is a lot like Lincoln Riley's teams at Oklahoma. They're not a very good defensive unit. Now, this is his first year there, and I think they're going to get better on defense. I think Alex Grinch, you've got to give him credit. They, they, They take the ball away at an incredible rate. Um, but they have to do that because they can't really stop anybody. Um, so, you know, USC's and that, that's a long-winded way of me saying the USC's offense causes everybody's problems, but the defense isn't very good. And they, they play Utah in the Pac-12 title game, and Utah beat them 43-42, mainly because Utah tight end Dalton Kincaid had 16 catches for 234 wow. yards. Wow. when they first played. So um, presumably they will do a better job covering him this week. But, you know, the the idea that TCU and USC both could lose I think is a real one because I think Kansas State's extremely well coached. Utah's extremely well coached. Um, and th- if that happens, I, I have no idea what the playoff field's going to look yeah. like. We'll, we'll get to all those predictions um, uh, later on in our in our Hump Day with Huguenin segment here. Uh, speaking of the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, the Rose Bowl has until the end of the week at the latest to relinquish its demand to continue playing in its traditional uh, 5 o'clock Eastern time, 4 o'clock Central time time slot uh, and continue talking with the college football playoff. Um, something has to give here, right? Because there's too much money at stake. If they don't acquiesce, then there's no college football playoff expansion, right? No, I think there's expansion. The Rose Bowl just won't be part of it. The Rose Bowl, okay. you know, if you're, if you're the college football playoff people, you can say, what's more important to you? Playing at 5 o'clock on New Year's Day? Fine. You can have the Big Ten runner-up and the and the Pac-12 runner-up if they're not in the playoff. Or whatever, okay. you could have you know third-tier teams. So, and you know, we'll play at SoFi, which is the irony is that's where the national title game is going to be this season at SoFi uh-huh. Stadium, which is you know a, a, a palace for, for goodness sake. So, um, th- this is a case you you know of all the traditions in college football, I get the fact that the Rose Bowl has a long-standing tradition, the granddaddy of them all. Right. But it, it, you know, some if if team rivalries don't matter anymore, well, frankly, neither does the Rose Bowl kicking off at 5 a.m. Five, sorry, 5 p.m. Eastern time. They right. can either get with it or get left behind. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Will you be the commissioner of college football, yeah. Mike Huguenin, please? I mean, they just you just make so much common sense. Was it common sense for Auburn and their hiring of Hugh Freeze? 
I, I, I don't know what to say about that. Um, you know, he, he beat Saban back-to-back years. The only other coach to do that is Les Miles. Well, they yeah. had a coach who beat Saban three times, and they ran him off. Um, yeah. And I guess I'm you, – you, you're hiring a cheater who was fired from another SEC school for incredibly, incredibly appallingly bad judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's you know, I, and I'm not getting into his, his, if he wants to hang out with escorts, whatever. The idea that he st- was stupid enough to use a university phone that mm-hmm. that would make me, frankly, not hire the guy. I'd be thinking, you know, some you're a you're a dummy, Hugh Freeze. Yeah. So, um, you know, I work with Ivan Mazel, and Ivan wrote today. You know, you you hate the you you hate the sin, and you love the sinner, and that's what Auburn, I guess, is doing. But I, I you, it, you and I have talked about this many times, um, and and LSU went through it with its basketball coach. There's a lot of guys out there who break. I, th- I think every in, I think every coach in college sports breaks NCAA rules. Because a lot of rules are, frankly, nebulous. But I think the vast majority of them don't go out there to break rules on purpose. And when you buy players, which is what Hugh Freeze did at Ole Miss, that's blatant. And that, to me, should keep you from getting another job. I'm off, and I'm all for second chances and stuff, but I'll Mm -hmm. be honest, I would not give him a second chance if I were an AD, and I am stunned that John Cohen, who was the AD at Mississippi State and had up-close and personal look at what Freeze did um, as the coach of the arch, as the AD of the arch rival school, I, I don't understand that higher my presumption is and i've been told that the boosters were really big and a handful of boosters were really big in this and you know auburn's i guess what the most penalized team in ncaa history so this yeah. sort of fits into auburn's brand it really does it really does and they you freeze can't go out there and tweet or do any you know any any social media uh they're doing that for him so that that ought to that ought to send some messages uh as well he is michael hugan and on three.com i think matt rule to nebraska was a no-brainer to me i i think that's I, there's no doubt he if he can do what he did at at uh baylor you tell me he can't do that at nebraska right i think that you know Take, take his NFL um, stint out of the mix. Um, right. There's been a lot of ex- incredibly successful college coaches who were not good NFL coaches. Saban and Spurrier, t- yep. two SEC examples. Um, what Rule did at first Temple and then at Baylor, um, you know, Temple was a horrible program when he got there. Um, he left it in really good shape. Um, Baylor was, you know, coming off the – sexual assault scandals left behind right. by Art Bryles. He cleaned that up quickly, uh, put that foot, that program on solid footing, and I think there was, a, there was a reason that Baylor was in a New Year's Six Bowl last year. That was stuff started by Matt Rule. So yeah. um, take the, what, what he did with the Carolina Panthers out of the mix. Um, I think he's a developer of talent, which is the kind of coach that Nebraska needs. You know, are they going to be the sexiest team out there? No. But I think that he and Luke Fickle at Wisconsin, that was another yeah. good hire. I think yeah. that if you're in the Big Ten and USC's coming in, you're realizing that, okay, USC, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State should always be good. Mm-hmm. But 
given the fact that the playoffs expanding, um, why can't we occasionally aim for the top three and always be top five or six? Yeah. And I think if you're Michigan State's another one, I think that thinks they can do that with Mel Tucker. So, and in some of those years, finishing fifth in the Big Ten might get you into the the playoff, and finishing second or third definitely will get you in. So, I think that you know is is Nebraska going to be an annual finisher in the top three or four in the Big Ten? No, but I think they can occasionally do that, and that's yeah. the kind of program they are now. They're not, you know, this isn't the '80s and '90s. When they were recruiting nationally and getting whoever they wanted, college football has changed seismically since. Um, There's a very good NIL program, NIL programs in place in Nebraska. Uh, I think Rule will be the kind of guy that sort of the foundation is unsettled right now. He'll settle settle it and build a strong one. And I think that, that, that Nebraska is going to be successful, though, the, again, the idea that they're going to return to what they were in the 80s or 90s, that ain't ever happening again. Yeah, but I, I still think they can be good, but not not that good uh, when they, she was, they dominated everything. All right, uh, uh, enough of this because, uh, look, um, UAB's hiring Trent Dilfer to be their coach. That's kind of a surprising move, but, hey, well, why not, right? Take a chance. Yeah, Take he's a done a nice job at a, a Lipscomb, Lipscomb Academy, I can say it, in Nashville, yeah. um, a private school that when I lived in Nashville, I didn't even know they played football. Yeah. Um, and they're they're the, one of the best programs in the entire state of Tennessee now. Um, we actually did a story on them last year. He brought in, you know, they have a strength program. Um, they have a nutritional program. They have an academic program. So he's been around a lot of football, um, played the NFL, obviously, been around a lot of quarterbacks, um, won a Super Bowl, so he knows what it takes to you know build yeah. a competitive program. Um, and if you're UAB, you know you're the you're the clearly and distinctly second tier in your own state. The concern, right. I think, is they're going to fall. They think they're going to fall behind South Alabama and Troy. But maybe Dilfer can make them a little bit more offense minded. Um, it's a gamble, unquestionably, because high school coaches don't automatically become big time right. college coaches. But it is an interesting hire, no question. All right, we've got a lot of championship uh, matchups to talk about in a lot of conferences, so we'll take a quick time out here. Michael Huguenin uh, on 3.com will get his picks on all the big weekend games starting with Friday and the Pac-12 championship when we return here on the Jordy Helpert Show. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, 33 minutes after the hour on this Wednesday, November 30th. It's championship weekend. Mike Huguenin on 3.com. Let's get busy. Uh, Friday, a couple of matchups in the Pac-12, USC versus Utah. The Utes are the only team to beat the Trojans this year. Uh, What do you think about the rematch? Yeah, this is interesting. Um, USC had all sorts of trouble uh, running 
on Utah, and, and they also could not stop Utah's offense. And that that was with Travis Dye as, as USC's running back, but he obviously is out for the season now. Um, they really only have one running back they can count on. That's Austin Jones. Let's see what he can do. Um, but I mentioned before Dalton Kincaid was just – he destroyed them. Um, and it's rare these days you let a tight end – destroy you, which is what USC did. Mm-hmm. i got to think that Grinch will have something planned. Um, Caleb Williams put up huge numbers the first time they played, 438 yards, five TDs. Uh, wow. I think USC gets revenge. I also think USC has more to – obviously they have more to play for because they yeah. know if they win, they're in the playoffs. So um, I think USC wins a close game. Their defense scares you because it's not very right. good. But that offense, uh, I, I don't see Utah stopping them. Conference USA, North Texas versus UT San Antonio. The Roadrunners looking to clinch their second straight conference championship. Can they beat North Texas and do it again? Yes, UTSA, um, three NFL-level wide receivers, a good quarterback, Frank Harris. They don't run the ball very well this year, but that is a very good passing attack. Um, not a bad defense at all. Um, Clifford Chapman, who's a uh, New Orleans native, who's a Texas A&M transfer, is a big-time safety for UTSA. Um, I think he went to McDonough School in New Orleans. But um, uh-huh. I think UTSA wins. Um, that, 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 that's the class program of Conference USA. Jeff Trailer's a really good coach. Yeah. Uh, and Frank Harris, I think they're going to put up uh, a lot of passing yards. All right. Um, in the MAC, a little snack, right? A little Toledo versus Ohio. The oddsmakers favor the Rockets to win their second conference championship since 2016. Ohio shooting for its first league crown since 1968. Man, I'm pulling for Ohio. Yeah, the problem with Ohio is uh, they had the first team All MAC quarterback, Curtis Rourke, who's really good, six five kid, who's Who's hurt, though? He's out for the season. Yeah. So the guy who his replacement has, ba- has basically played in four games in three years. Mm. Um, now they have a really good wide receiver, Sam Wiggles, who's a transfer from Ohio State. But when you lose the best quarterback in your league and you're counting on a guy who's barely played in three seasons on campus – yeah. Um, Toledo's got some players. Toledo's got a Ohio State transfer of their own at linebacker, uh, Dallas Gant, who's really physical. Uh, I, I think Toledo wins because Curtis Rourke is hurt. But you're right. I mean, they're going for their first conference title in 54 years. Eesh. And, <laughs> yeah, there is a – I think that no matter who you're a fan of, unless you're a Toledo fan – um, yeah, it'd be nice to see a team like that win. But again, Absolutely. you're missing your star quarterback, the best yeah. quarterback in your league. I don't think they can win. Speaking of missing a star quarterback, that's what's happened in the Sun Belt Conference. Uh, it'll be Coastal Carolina versus Troy. Grayson McCall for Coastal is out with an injury. They're coming off a 40 point loss to James Madison in the finale. They don't have a shot against Troy, do they? I don't think so. Not with not without McCall. I mean, their their offense has gone south since he left. Troy's defense is the best in the league, and you know you mentioned the forty point loss to James Madison. That technically should have been for the division title, but right. because James Madison is in its first season in the FBS ranks, they're considered a transition program, which means it can't play in the postseason for the first two years as an FBS member. 
So technically, James Madison is the East Division champ, but can't play. So Coastal goes as a second place team. And you're right, without Grayson, Grayson McCall can play for almost anybody in the nation. That kick is an SEC level yes. quarterback, but without yes. him, I don't think they have a shot. And Troy plays. That is a really good defensive team. And everybody talks about, you know, first-year coaches who've done a phenomenal job. Well, Troy's coach is a first-year guy, John Sumrall, a former yeah. longtime or a former SEC assistant. Um, they play wicked good defense. I mean, they knocked the snot out of you. This is a <laughs> extremely physical and well-coached defense. Offensively, they're not much, but defensively, they get after you. Um, one of their best players is Richard Gibinor, who's an Auburn transfer, a big-time pass rusher. So, yeah, I think Troy wins comfortably because I don't think Coastal can move the ball. Only Mike Huguenin can name players from every team. It's amazing. I think what a really good game is in the Mountain West yes. championship. Fresno State versus Boise. Uh, Fresno started off, they, they lost four straight early on, but they won its final seven in a row to get to this point. And uh, Boise State, uh, perfect 8-0 in conference play. Two teams that are uh, kind of peaking at the same time. I think this is a good one. Uh, Fresno's won seven in a row. Boise's won seven of eight. Uh, and the quarterbacks are the key here. Early on this season, Fresno was without Jake Hayner, um, who's an NFL-level quarterback. Since he's come back the last five games, they're blowing teams out because their passing attack has been ramped up exponentially. He's completed 75% of his passes in the past five games, averaging about three, 330 yards a game. That is a fantastic passing attack. Boise changed quarterbacks. They went with Jalen Green. Um, they fired their offensive coordinator and changed quarterbacks. Dirk Cutter, the former NFL head coach, had been yeah. an analyst because his kid was on the team. He used to coach Boise. He loves living in Boise. So they cajoled him into taking the OC job when they wow. fired their other offensive coordinator. And that has led them to a 7-1 finish. The, the difference is that Hank Backmeyer, who was a four-year starter, could not run, did not like to run. So when they changed quarterbacks to Green, Backmeyer quit, and Jalen Green is a legitimate dual-threat guy, um, and their running game has, I think, gone up almost 120 yards a game. Uh, wow. They run the ball extremely well now, and this is going to be a very, very, I think, entertaining game. Neither defense is great um, in the quarterback play. Hayner will be in the NFL. And Jalen Green is a redshirt freshman, but he eventually will be an NFL player as well. Wow. Okay, let's go to the SWAC, Southern versus Jackson State primetime. Deion Sanders' team uh, ran through its schedule without a loss. They allowed over 20 points just once this season. Southern is the Western Division champ, but they lost to Jackson State earlier in the season in Jackson, 35 to zip. It's a rematch game here. Uh, distractions with the, the job offer to Colorado, or is Jackson State? Yeah, I think State there's going to be distractions for Jackson State, but at the same time, I mean, it's is it enough? Is it a five touchdown distraction? <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. Um, okay. Shador Sanders is a legitimately good quarterback. Travis Hunter was the nation's number one recruit last year and is, is doing good things for Jackson State. Um, I'm sure the, your listeners are Jaguar fans, but I don't think yeah. they have much of a shot. Um, okay. Even with the distractions, I think Jackson State is too good. What, what, and I'll be what, honest, I. I, I mm, you know, the NCAA basketball tournament, every league goes. I wish the Ivy and SWAC 
would let their teams go to the FCS playoff. Um, yeah. You know, the very first year uh, of the F- of the Division One AA at the time playoffs was 1978. Florida A&M won it. Um, and, you know, the, the MEAC doesn't ha- doesn't get their team in automatically either, which is unfortunate. I would like to see um, the SWAC and the MEAC and the Ivy let their teams go uh, to the okay. FCS playoffs. Because I frankly think that that's a bigger deal um, than the Heritage Bowl, whatever they play. Yeah. Deion Sanders yeah. doesn't go to Colorado, does he? That's Can you, can you that's win that? That's a bad Power 5 job. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. There, there was talk about him at South Florida early on. Uh, that one went away. Now it's back. Uh, yeah. I think Dion thought maybe he might be in line for a couple other jobs. He was not. Um, Colorado, now uh-uh. if he turns them around, he'll have his pick of jobs. But, man, that is an extremely difficult place to win. I agree. I don't like it. Let's go to the uh, let's go down to New Orleans for the AAC championship. Central Florida versus Tulane. A shot at the Group of Five's New Year's Bowl bid is on the line here. Uh, these two teams met earlier. Gus Malzahn and uh, Reese Plumley uh, ran all over Tulane. Tulane fought back, made it a ball game. Um, I mean, I like Tulane in this position. Don't ask me why. I just like Tulane. Their coach uh, Willie Fritz says, "I'm not going to Georgia Tech. I'm staying." at Tulane. Yeah, and I think the key th- is Ty J. Spears, who had just a monster game last week yep. against Cincinnati. Um, yep. Now, UCF's defense is extremely good. Um, Travis Williams, former Auburn assistant or coordinator, I think they're better defensively than, than Cincinnati all around. Um, it, it is difficult to beat a team twice in one year. This would be UCF's second win at Tulane. Yes. Yes. So um, my presumption is there's going to be a loud crowd on Saturday. I mean, if yep. they don't show up for this game, then these man may not as well play home games anymore. So um, I think, and Michael Pratt, I think, did not play all that well the opening the first time they played in the first half. And you're right. John Rice Plumley ran all over him. Rice Plumley has not played that well since that game. Um, in fact, he was. Bench for a while. They had Mikey. They used. They're using Mikey Keene as a much better passer. I, uh-huh. I think everything's aligned though for for Tulane to to win this. Tulane won last Me week too. on the road to Cincinnati, Big um, win. and I think they're going to win at home against UCF. Uh, I'm with you 100%. All right, let's go to the big ones now, uh, according to the – because of the the Power Five. Big 12 championship, Kansas State versus TCU. TCU's uh, undefeated, one of three teams that are that way in college football. Um, Kansas State got that guy Deuce Vaughn. Um, Boy, they live on the edge, does TCU for the most part. Do they live on the edge Saturday? Yeah, I think Deuce Vaughn's the key guy. Um, And he got a – Porsche today to an NIL deal, so you got to feel good. Nice. He's on. Um, nice. Sort of jealous of the guy. Um, Me too. They, they played earlier. To, uh, case uh, TCU won by ten. Um, they had a huge game on the ground. That has to happen again. Um, defensively, um, TCU has been up and down, but I will say the last two weeks TCU's defense has shown up big time, um, and I think that's you, you want to make K State throw the ball. Uh, and I, if TCU can do that, and if Kendra Miller, their running back, can run for 100, they're winning. I think this is a dangerous game, though, for TCU. You're right. They live on the edge, and it hasn't cost them. You, maybe it won't cost them this year. But this right. is, a, again, beating a team twice is difficult. 
Okay, we'll see. Uh, this game may not have, well, it doesn't have college playoff implications anymore. Uh, the ACC Championship, Clemson. Thank you, South Carolina. Uh, Clemson takes on North Carolina. Well, Clemson's quarterback, not good. Carolina's quarterback is good. Um, I, I see a team in Clemson going one direction. I see North Carolina a little bit more stable. I wouldn't be surprised if North Carolina wins this thing. Yeah, that's the weird thing about Carolina's coming in off two losses in a row. They yeah. lost to Duke and they lost to NC State. Their defense let them down. Um, but Clemson's offense, you're right. If if Clemson had North Carolina's quarterback and oh. North Carolina's wide receivers, oh. they'd be ranked second or third in the country. Yes. Uyunga um, Lale is not a high-level college quarterback, and that is a mediocre at best receiving core. Will Shipley's a really good running back. North Carolina's run defense is abysmal. Mm-hmm. So I got to think that Shipley and Maffa, if they want to, could you know combine for 230 or so yards. But if you give Drake May time, that Clemson secondary, this is anything close to being elite. So as Spencer Rattler showed last week. So if they give Drake May time to throw, he will slice and dice. That Clemson secondary, the difference, uh, it's going to be difficult for the North Carolina defense to stop Clemson. And if if Clemson's, I think Clemson will run, try to run the ball as much as possible for a variety of reasons. One, to keep Drake May off the field. But um, even, you're right, even if Carolina Carolina has lost two in a row, I I can see them winning this game. But I still think Clemson wins in a close one because I think they're going to run all over North Carolina. Do you give Purdue any chance against no. Michigan in the Big Ten? Ch- I mean, what this might be the worst matchup of all. Yeah, you feel bad for Purdue. Um, their quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, his brother died yesterday. Oh um, no! I mean, how uh, you know you feel bad for the you feel bad for the kid. Oh. And, you know, how focused? You know, I don't want to be. I don't want to sound callous, but how focused can he be given what's happened to his family? So. Um, Purdue's got Charlie Jones, who's a phenomenal receiver and a great story. Um, but, you know, they don't run the ball well, uh, which means they're going to have to throw it. Uh, and their defense against the run, if, you, if you've made it a, pri- if you made a priority to run on Purdue, basically everybody that's done so has succeeded, weirdly, except Illinois, which has the best, one of the best running, rushing attacks in the nation. But, yeah, I, I think even Michigan's going to have a letdown. I, I still think Michigan wins extremely comfortably okay uh and finally the sec championship game georgia versus lsu we know georgia uh, lsu had that uh, laid that egg against texas a&m um georgia kind of started off slowly against georgia tech but kicked it into gear all eyes will be on Jaden daniels let's yeah. say Jaden daniels is as close to 100 percent as he can be and nothing bothers him he can run he can throw do you give LSU a snowball's chance here? I, I did. I thought before last week. I'm like, this could be interesting for a while. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, if, if what happened to LSU run defense last week? Good lord, it was it disappeared. Yeah. They just and, didn't show you know, up. Todd Munkin's they... a good offensive mind, and uh, they have Georgia got a lot more weapons than Texas A&M. Um, but you're they right, Jaden Daniels. He, you know, he needs to be the Jaden Daniels that played against Florida and Ole Miss when he put up like close to 400 yards and he scored 11 touchdowns total in those two games. The problem is 
Georgia defense a little better than Ole Miss's and better than Florida's, obviously. So, um, I, yeah, I, unless Georgia turns it over three or four times, I don't think LSU has a shot. I think that they have a shot at keeping it close if Daniels plays out of his mind, um, gets some help from at least one running back, and they need to hit some big plays down the field to loosen up that Georgia secondary. But I, um, unless LSU was totally laying in the weeds last week, you know, we're not going to do anything defensively because we're going to we're going to spring this surprise on George. I, I can't see him stopping George's offense. Uh, ever, you know, LSU's offensive line is going to have to be great. They're going to have to run the football better. Um, Harold Perkins is going to have to have a game like he had against Arkansas. Yes. Uh, for all these things to come into fruition, that uh, th- there you go. But um, LSU's going to be ready to – they're going to be there. They're going to show up. They're going to be ready to play. They're going to be emotional uh, into this thing. But Georgia hadn't won an SEC championship game, even though they won the, yeah. the NCAA championship game. They didn't win the SEC championship, so I think they're motivated as well. And the plus, I mean, the fact that LSU is in the SEC championship game in Miraculous. year one of Brian Kelly. I mean, yeah. what, what were the odds before the season? I mean, I, Phil, Phil Steele picked LSU to finish last in the West. Yeah, um, I didn't think they'd be that bad, but I thought they would be fourth or fifth place. So I think it's been a fantastic season, um, even with a you know the loss. I think they're going to have. Um, yeah. You're right. The A and M game is mystifying. I think if they played FSU again, they'd beat FSU. Um, and again, yeah. Brian Kelly beat Nick Saban. Which is, right. if you're an LSU fan, all season long, you can crow about that all off season long. <laughs> he is Mike Hugan on3.com. We'll get your reactions to all of this. We'll know who's going to what bowl games and all next week. And then we'll start talking some college shoots, buddy. Thank Excellent. you. You're Thanks, the man. best. Talk to you next week. All right. You got it. Mike Hugan on3.com. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holberg Show for Hump Day with Huguenin. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. Right, if you're looking for great stocking stuffers this holiday season, look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of a rewards club, you have the opportunity to score prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Takeouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Special thanks to our guests today, Ali Cassell, Pels and the Raptors tonight, Adam Spencer from Saturday Down South, Howard Carter, whose son's on Team USA in the World Cup, uh, Michael Huguenin from On3.com with all the picks of all the college football championship weekend games. Boom. We'll see where uh, LSU goes bowling. We'll see where the Cajuns go bowling. We'll see where the Green Wave goes bowling and all kinds of fun, fun stuff along those ways. If today is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share your day with um, boy, what, maybe one of the greatest athletes of all time. Bo Jackson is 60 years young today. Happy birthday, Bo Baseball, football, 
could do it all. Injuries. Oh, injuries. What we, it's a shame. Uh, tomorrow, the Schwab will join us. We'll have his uh, NFL picks. We'll have much more on the SEC championship game and uh, whatever else comes down the pipeline. James Mesh, thank you so much for all you do in the producer's chair. Thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do. Thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. Tune in tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4, same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. Have a great evening.